Welcome to the, uh, see, one, two, three, four, I don't know, fifth week of the Buddhism 12-step series. We are uh, going to talk about steps eight and nine tonight, the amend steps. And uh, I thought we could start tonight with um, some forgiveness practice. That's kind of, uh, I think, the practice, the Buddhist practice that's most uh, related to the amends steps. Um, I'm kind of too high, but if I take this on, I'm going to be too low. It's always one thing or another. Oh well, that's life. So I hope everybody is doing well. Tomorrow is International Women's Day. So as I was driving out, the jazz station said, Tomorrow we're going to play all women artists. And then I switched over to the classical station. They were like, tomorrow we're going to play all women artists. I was like, hmm, one day a year. That's very generous of you. <laughs> Wouldn't want them to, you know, take over or anything. It's also my wife's birthday. so she, Which is, you know, she likes that whole like, connection. But we always like to remind her that in high school she was a cheerleader. So, so don't get too uppity about your feminism because we know where you're coming from. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, don't, I had schmutz on my sweater and I don't wear this sweater very often. We can't see it from here. Oh, well, I shouldn't have told you. I'm, oh, I, you know, it's, t- uh, t- what are they, you know, TMI. Mm. And I just did laundry today, too. Actually, the only reason I do laundry is so that I can watch TV while I fold the laundry. That's the only time I allow myself to watch TV during the day, so when I'm folding laundry. So this, this is important information for people. Wow. It's <laughs> insight yeah. just coming through. This is like my Ed McMahon over here, you know? <laughs> My sidekick. You shouldn't sit there then if you don't want to be my sidekick. You're right on the side and I can kick you. No. Come on, Max. Come on. It really helps to have a sidekick. As long as you don't kick your sidekick. You're right. No, you would never. I don't know why they call it a kick. Um, but, and my birthday is next week, so we, we're both. She doesn't believe in astrology, but we're both Pisces, whether she wants to believe it or not. So. Um, and so I'm not going to be teaching tomorrow night, unfortunately, uh, because tomorrow night's the second Friday, and I usually teach on the second Friday. And uh, she decided to have a party <laughs> for herself. You know how it is when you get old; nobody throws you a party. Uh, not that she's old. <clears throat> Where'd you get her, Kevin? What? Where'd you get the thing? You know, she told me she was going to buy herself some shoes. So, anyway. Let's just don't let that slide. I know, no, I'm going to go get something tomorrow. Chocolate, earrings, something. Yeah. The main thing is if I get out of the house tomorrow, then she'll be happy. So, So, um, yeah. Bill, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, 
I was just down in L.A. this past weekend teaching at Noah Levine's Center. And uh, I've been teaching a lot. Tuesday night I was at the Berkeley Dharma in Recovery, and uh, last night I was at Yoga Kula. Um, I'm not sure if I improve with age or with practice or not, but we shall see. So um, that's enough of a warm-up. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get on with this. Um, so when I first learned um, a forgiveness practice, it was on my first retreat. I actually talk about this in uh, One Breath at a Time, about how um, we do forgiveness kind of as a foundation to do loving-kindness practice. Now, as an aside, I don't know of, which doesn't mean there aren't any, but I don't know of any teachings directly from the Buddha on forgiveness. There are things that we can infer forgiveness from his teachings, but uh, there's no, like, I don't, I've never read a practice that he taught on forgiveness, so uh, just a, uh, for your information. And I should, I should uh, ask more authorities that question. But anyway, it makes sense to practice forgiveness before doing loving-kindness so we're not kind of carrying this burden with us of resentment or, or regret and guilt. And what struck me, as I say in that first book, about this process was seeing that the people that um, I had kind of the most uh, problems with in my life, the most conflicts with, were also the ones that were closest to me, the ones that I loved the most, the ones I cared the most about, my family and, and uh, you know, girlfriends and close friends. And I think that speaks to um, the vulnerability of intimacy. And that when we do open up to people, that we make ourselves vulnerable, and and we become become vulnerable. That we that we can feel kind of uh, vulnerable, and we're more likely to um, get defensive or fearful because of that sense of vulnerability. So as long as you don't let anybody in, of course, there's no conflict. There's no potential for conflict. So it does create this kind of conundrum in our, I don't know if it does in our practice, but just in our, maybe in our hearts and our minds about um, how, we, how we deal with um, the struggles with people that we care the most about. And so practicing forgiveness is founded in the understanding that we are all imperfect that we are all subject to greed, hatred, and delusion, that we all are subject to the first noble truth, the truth of suffering. And that, uh, so it's inevitable that we make mistakes and that others make mistakes, and that if we cling to our resentments or our uh, guilt about mistakes, we're just perpetuating uh, that pain. And we are also 
really not uh, recognizing that, that uh, the kind of fundamental impermanence that, that um, we don't have to stay, try to stay with a feeling in, uh, or an attitude, uh, that uh, time does have a healing quality if we let it. I think the line that I've heard that it may originate from Jack Cornfield, but uh, that's where I first heard it, something like, forgiveness is the absolute admission that you can never change your past. Something like that. Um, and, um, yeah. That can't be it. I must have that wrong. doesn't sound right. Anyway, forget that. Let's move on. So let's, let's uh, go into this as a meditation. Mm-hmm. Just beginning by getting into a meditative posture. And when we're working with um, these heart practices... As with any practice, we want to be aware of the body and particularly with this practice, notice the relationship between the reflections and contemplations and what happens in the body. And we want to try to keep a kind of openness in our body. So we start by having a sense of breathing into the heart. So putting the attention in the heart center in the middle of the chest and letting that fill up. Letting your breath be deep and full and kind of leading with the heart, opening in that space. Sometimes we'll feel an actual heaviness or blockage there. Sometimes we'll feel a lightness and openness. Other times we might feel grief or anxiety, joy, or serenity, checking in with the heart is a wonderful habit to develop in your practice because it tells us a lot about what's going on. Checking in with the belly and the heart. It's not that we're trying to fix ourselves or make ourselves feel something. These contemplations begin with ideas, with thoughts. We try to be open to their moving from the head into the heart. But we can't force that. 
and we may have just the opposite reaction from what the instructions say. And that is part of the process. Try not to add difficulty by judging how you feel or the thoughts that come up as you do this practice. Just trust in the process. This is something that if you have difficulty with it, you can work with over time, over a long time, if need be. Now, I like to use this instruction from Jack Cornfield. So I'm going to read some of his instructions on practicing forgiveness. He says, for most people, forgiveness is a process. The work of forgiveness goes through many stages during which you may feel grief or rage, sorrow or fear or confusion. In the end, when you let yourself feel the pain you carry, forgiveness comes as a relief, as a release for your heart. You will see that forgiveness is fundamentally for your own sake, a way to let go of the pain of the past. To practice forgiveness meditation, let yourself sit comfortably, allowing your eyes to close and your breath to be natural and easy. Let your body and mind relax breathing gently into the area of your heart. Let yourself feel all the barriers you've erected and the emotions you've carried because you have not forgiven. Not forgiven yourself, not forgiven others. Let yourself feel the pain of keeping your heart closed. Then breathing softly, begin asking and extending forgiveness. Listening to the following words, letting the images and feelings that come up grow deeper as they move through you. We start by asking forgiveness from others. There are many ways that I have hurt and harmed others, have betrayed or abandoned them, caused them suffering, knowingly or unknowingly. I've done this out of my own pain, fear, anger, confusion. Let yourself remember and visualize the ways you've hurt others. 
see and feel the pain you've caused out of your own fear and confusion. Feel your own sorrow and regret. Sense that finally you can release this burden and ask forgiveness. Picture each memory that still burdens your heart. And then to each person in your mind, repeat, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. Now practicing forgiveness for yourself. There are many ways that I've hurt and harmed myself. I've betrayed or abandoned myself many times through thought, word, or deed, knowingly or unknowingly. Feel your own precious body and life. Let yourself see the ways you have hurt or harmed yourself. Picture them. Remember them. Feel the sorrow you've carried from this and sense that you can release these burdens. Extend forgiveness for each of them one by one. Repeat to yourself, the ways I have hurt myself through action or inaction, out of fear, pain, and confusion, 
I now extend a full and heartfelt forgiveness for the ways that I've hurt myself through action or inaction, out of fear, pain, and confusion. I now extend a full and heartfelt forgiveness. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. And now offering forgiveness to those who have hurt or harmed you. There are many ways I have been harmed by others, abused or abandoned, knowingly or unknowingly, in thought, word, or deed. Let yourself picture and remember these many ways. Feel the sorrow you've carried from this past. Sense that you can release this burden of pain by extending forgiveness when your heart is ready. Now say to yourself, I now remember the many ways others have hurt or harmed me, wounded me out of fear, pain, confusion, and anger. I've carried this pain in my heart too long. To the extent that I am ready, I offer them forgiveness. To those who have caused me harm, I offer my forgiveness. I forgive you. I forgive you.
for some great pains, you may not feel a release, but only the burden and the anguish or anger you've held. Touch this softly. Be forgiving of yourself for not being ready to let go and move on. Forgiveness cannot be forced, cannot be artificial. Simply continue the practice and let the words and images work gradually in their own way. In time, you can make the forgiveness meditation a regular part of your life, letting go of the past and opening your heart to each new moment with a wise, loving-kindness. So now we can work with some loving-kindness. Bring to mind someone who's dear to you, someone who it's easy to love. It's maybe a parent or grandparent, a child, a benefactor, like a teacher, a sponsor, a dear friend or a partner. Imagine them here with you. You might imagine embracing and being embraced by them. Just sensing your connection and the real joy that they bring to you and to your life. Breathing into the heart and feeling loving kindness, the natural arising that comes when we think of a dear one. Hold them into your heart. Be filled with the warmth and affection you feel for them. Letting that overflow. And fill them with loving kindness. Now let them radiate loving-kindness to you. Receive their love. Be filled with their love.
Now let the love you share with this beloved person radiate out into this room. Filling each person in this room with the warmth, peace, the sweetness of loving kindness. Allowing your heart to grow beyond your body. Love is not contained by the boundaries of the body. Let it radiate out, fill the space. Let loving kindness spread up the hill to the people on retreat. Send them love and the hope that their practice is rich, fulfilling, and joyful. Send love across the road to Woodacre, the people living on the hillside. Let this whole valley be filled with love. Touching the deer and the wild turkeys, bobcats, the frogs, the horses, and all the people driving through. Let loving kindness spread out from this valley, out to the cities. All the people who live around the bay. This community that we are part of, this beautiful place that we share with so many others. Let loving kindness spread throughout this whole area touching all the beings. Feel the expansiveness of the heart, the limitlessness of love. 
Let it spread out now to encompass the planet. Loving kindness, vast. See the planet embraced by love. All the beings on this planet filled with love. Each person longs to love and to be loved. Let your heart fill each of them with the love they long for and receive the love from them that they want to give. Being alive has many challenges. Connecting with our innate potential for love is one of the things that makes it worthwhile, makes it worth living. Sense that this limitless love from your heart can expand out into the universe. Imagining a night sky with a billion stars radiating out to touch each of those stars to fill the universe with love. A boundless, limitless, all-pervasive love.
Now bringing your awareness back into this room, this space. Reconnecting with your body, with the breath in your heart. This capacity for limitless love is inside each of us. We can choose intentionally, mindfully, to open to that, to share it. This is a gift we give the world and that we give ourselves. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, one should sustain this recollection. Words of the Buddha. So, take a minute to recover from that. Pull yourself back together. Get all your resentments back. So any thoughts or questions or reflections on that set of practices? A lot of sadness comes up. Yeah. It seems to me that's probably not untypical. I think it, that's true. I got kind of sad just leading it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
life is hard. We hurt each other. Um, but to, you know, work with something like this uh, voluntarily and intentionally, I think is a safe way to kind of let that stuff come up and kind of work with it in, in this container so that it's not quite the same as when we're thinking about ourselves and our daily lives and just kind of like, I, I, I mean, I, I, it doesn't tend to stick in the way that when you're really like in kind of, a, you know, some weird mood, you know, it's not so much a mood as it is, you know, just carefully touching that area. I was thinking particularly of not in the ways I had been harmed or harmed others, but in the loving kindness practice, there's mm. still a lot of sadness there. Yeah. So, can you say more about that? It feels like regret. Mm-hmm. Or grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, that, you know, life wounds us, you know, and uh, and I don't, you know, without even anything out of the ordinary happening, just the ordinary loss and aging and illness and, you know, people that we love dying or, or becoming estranged and, and um, you know, we can work through all that and we can certainly live with all that, but I'm not sure that um, it's ever f- gone, you know, it's, you can't get people back uh, and so to me, uh, you know, part of aging is being able to somewhat gracefully hold the wounds of life, not expecting them to go away, but also not allowing them to embitter us. Uh, and, and the Dharma gives us this context of reality. This is the way things are, that, that there is the truth of suffering, but there's also the truth of loving kindness and of you know, the potential for joy and, uh, and um, connection and, and all the great things in life. So it's, it's, to me, what's, what I appreciate about the Dharma is that it's, it's not pretending things are better than they are, but it's, you know, it's encompassing everything. It's allowing everything in. And, and, and the challenge to me is being able to hold all that and not get overwhelmed. And sometimes I fail at that. Sometimes I do get overwhelmed. Uh, sometimes I'd rather not reflect on impermanence and, and all that. And, and, you know, and we don't have to walk around all day thinking about forgiveness or loving kindness or you know, impermanence. Uh, but I think it's important to touch in with that stuff and, and kind of keep it in our, on the radar. Because we can lose perspective on, on, on reality and be either sort of shocked, like, why did that happen, or, um, or kind of close down and not really be... I think if you close down, 
you know, feeling grief, it's also, it's hard to then be open to the love, you know, it's like, can you really, openness, I think, implies that we're going to feel it all. That's the great challenge of the practice and of this, any spiritual path. Okay, very good. Could you um, speak to the recommendation you had uh, of this being something to revisit moving forward? How often, oh. like, how often should we return to this practice oh. that you just led us to? Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, especially being something difficult to do, especially yeah. maybe since we're not in a retreat setting most of the time. Yeah. Um, like, speaking as one who related mostly to the part about forgiving oneself or not being ready to mm-hmm. do any of it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think if it's, if it's really striking a chord, if there's really a sense of either a blockage or some real, something, it, it, co- it comes up very strongly emotionally or mentally as you're doing it, but that's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's an indication that there's, it's an important area of work. I don't think it's ever wise to jump in too quickly or too deeply into really any practice. That we should always take our time with it. Nonetheless, if there's a sense like this is really like a thing for me, then working with it on a daily basis for a few minutes each day could be very helpful, you know, because, because it's something that can get released. It can open up. And until it is, it's going to be this kind of shadow that you're going to have. And so um, you don't want to be sort of just getting yourself overwhelmed or sort of depressed about the whole thing. But to kind of like keep, keep touching it, keep touching it, and allowing it to kind of infiltrate you in a positive way so that there's kind of a... There, there's something that happens to our consciousness when we intentionally do something like this, that we start to see things differently after a while. It's, it's kind of like what something like affirmations are supposed to do, but I don't believe too much in just saying words. I think we have to connect with the meaning of it for, and kind of look at it for ourselves and what it mean, what it, not just what it means for us, but how it feels to us and, and what the importance of it is and kind of connect with it regularly and check in so that then, you know, as you go through your day and maybe some negative thoughts about yourself, in this case, come up, that you can kind of go, oh, wow, there's, there's that again. I'm, I'm trying to let go of that. You know, can I make a different choice or can I think about this situation differently than being self-critical? So it's one of those things of just like letting it be part of your, I mean, we say part of our practice, but really what we mean is part of your life, you know, that that this is something you're going to allow in, just like you do with a program when it's like, okay, I'm working on my amends or I'm working on my higher power thing, and it sort of, it stays with you 
it comes back uh, to you throughout the day. So I, I would try, try working with it on a daily basis for at least for a few minutes. But as I say, yeah, be careful. I mean, you don't, if it's feeling overwhelming, you know, back off. And especially if it's feeling overwhelming, it's really wise to connect with somebody that you trust who might help you with it. Yeah. We don't have to be alone with this stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Hi. I don't know if it was brought on by the forgiveness meditation or just already there, but what do you do with physical anxiety when you're trying to sit still? <laughs> I could not, I felt so bad for everyone around me. I could not sit still. Contemplated, I'm like, maybe I should just get up and leave, walk to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was the forgiveness, but... I just have no idea what to do with all that physical energy yeah. and anxiety. Well, I would say if you're doing one practice and that starts to kind of, and, and that feeling comes up, then stop doing that practice yeah. at that moment. <laughs> and start to, first of all, just kind of breathe. I would say take some deeper breaths mm -hmm. and try to feel the energy, but kind of, let it, kind of breathe with the energy, like kind of like, kind of imagining it, kind of like spreading out, kind of giving it space, because yeah. because anxiety and, and that kind of restlessness, uh, there's a kind of claustrophobia in it. Definitely. And so, if you can imagine with your mind that that there's plenty of room for it, and it can just uh, trusting that nothing bad can happen to you, in, in, in just with with restlessness yeah. you know, restlessness itself won't kill you now anxiety you know if it's if it's really problematic and it's becoming a panic attack mm -hmm. open your eyes stop meditating you know that's you know if you're if if you're not able to contain it yeah. in the in the container of the in the meditative way but but if you can contain it Really breathe with it and kind of let it have space and just let it move through. So a lot of times with these types of energies, it's more scary when it's kind of over here. We're, not, we're kind of like, oh, oh, oh. But if you just kind of go, okay, bring it on. You know, you just kind of let it crash over you like a big wave. You just breathe, okay, ah. Yeah, it's, um, you just kind of ride with it. Okay. Um, and it will tend to dissipate then if you give it space. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the traditional antidote to that kind of energy is some kind of a concentration practice, something that really focuses the mind. Mm -hmm. But that can be very difficult to do when you're feeling like that. Yeah. You can't get focused. So instead of trying to get like a very narrow focus, you kind of get a big focus where it's just the space of energy. And, and you just try to stay with that. Notice the thoughts that come, you know, and see if you can let go of the thoughts, because the thoughts, you know, oh, I can't handle this, or this is terrible, should I leave, am I bothering people, blah, 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 because all that energy tends to generate thoughts, because yeah. thoughts are kind of a form of energy as well. So if, as much as you can, let go of the thoughts and just stay with the, the pure energy, the pure physical, visceral state. 
If I were meditating on my own and something along those lines happened, do you feel like switching to walking meditation or something like that would be useful or is that kind of just avoiding the... Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily avoiding. I mean, as long as you're staying with a, a kind of mindfulness of it, then processing it, you know, using movement to work with it isn't, isn't a problem. Um, but I would start with the working with the mindfulness practice of just being present with it and, and uh, you know, just see if, if it starts to spin out of control then just stop. It's not, you know, usually when there's something like this, when it's very powerful, it's indicative that there's something buried in there. You know, or maybe it's not so buried, maybe, yes. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, most addicts uh, have experienced trauma of one kind or another. And I've actually come to believe that a lot of the things we do as addicts is traumatic in and of itself. For instance, going into an alcoholic blackout, I think, has a traumatic effect on the body and mind. Uh, getting really intoxicated or uh, uh, just ripped, you know. I just think it's uh, got to really cause a whole turmoil that's, mm -hmm. that can have uh, other effects beyond just, oh yeah, I'm hungover or I'm withdrawing. It's, it's, it kind of uh, undermines us in some ways psychologically. So I, I think a lot of us have to live with these kind of energies uh, find ways to work with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the question. So, I feel like I've put a pall over the, <laughs> over the group tonight. So, let's take a little break and unpall ourselves. And we'll come back and talk about the steps some more. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.